You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. I am all about the Holy Spirit weird stuff that's out there. Like, I want all of Holy Spirit that I can get. I don't care how weird it looks. Uh, not that I'm going to try to make it more weird than it needs to be, but, but it, Holy Spirit's weird enough on his own. Uh, my point is this, though. I, I, I want everything he's got. I want the full Holy Spirit experience. He's the third person of the Trinity, and he's been given to us to, to live out in power today, to be the witness of Jesus on the earth. So in the midst of that, I also want to be completely in line with Scripture as best as I can which let's just acknowledge that I'm going to fail in that on some level. So, but as best as I know and as best as I can, I want to be uh, integrous. Is that, a, is that a word? Yes. Have integrity when it comes to the scriptures. So um, with that comes uh, when you start talking about things like tongues and interpretation, oftentimes you get sort of the super spiritual side of this stuff and very little scriptural support for why people do what they do. And so I'm hoping to bring some unity into those two things. Now, I recognize that, that in this room, there are people from all different kinds of backgrounds. Uh, how many of you would say that, that when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, you're, you're fairly uninformed? You're very, you have very little exposure to that. Is that anybody in this room? Okay. How many of you would say when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, you got all of them? You know everything there is to know, but I'm just, okay, we'll just that's exaggerated. All right. How many of you sort of middle of the road? You've got some experience. You'd like to learn more. Most of you. All right, good. Well, uh, for me, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in this stuff at all. Heck, I didn't even grow up in Christianity. My, my family was all Jewish. So when I became a believer, I was into, I, I, I was sort of, my, my faith came into a form of Christianity where this stuff just wasn't even there. They didn't talk about the gifts. And when they did, I remember the very first time I, would, I ever heard uh, someone teach about tongues. And I was taught that, if, that, that that gift has ceased, and if anybody's doing it, uh, it's got to be an evil spirit because God's no longer giving that gift away. And so I remember being a, a freshman in college. Now, this is straight out of my senior year. I go into my freshman year of college, and uh, this, one of the, the girls that lived in the dormitory you know, confided in me that she spoke in tongues. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> like, hey, uh, I hate to break it to you, but that's probably an evil spirit. We need to get that thing taken care of. Because that's all I've been taught. I didn't know anything different, right? And I mean, here's, there's a thing called the law of first, and it's the first thing you've been taught is usually what you believe. And so I, I just hadn't been exposed to anything else. Um, so uh, it, w- it would be several years later where I would have an experience that would sort of completely alter and change that. So I, I'm hoping in this to tell you some of my story and my experience and how I journeyed into this, but also give you a, a real solid look at the scriptures and what it has to say in there, but then to not just leave us there, to also let us have an experience with those gifts. Now, how many of you would agree there is no such thing as a bad gift of the Holy Spirit? Okay, but for some reason, when they talk about tongues, it's like that's the bad gift or it's the gift. It's like there's no middle ground of that. You know what I mean? Like in the Pentecostal world, it is the gift of the Spirit. If you don't have that gift, you probably don't have the Holy Spirit, right? You're not really Spirit-filled, as they say. Anybody know that? How many have been hurt by that? I know I'm not the only one. Uh, and then there's on the other side of it, it's like if you've got that gift, well, you've got a demon. So it's, it's one or the other. There's sort of no in-between when you hear this stuff taught about, talked about. So I, I, I'm not there on that. Um, I, just a, a couple of little things where I stand on this gift. I totally believe it's for today. Uh, I speak in tongues. Uh, I love it. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> There's so many bad, inappropriate jokes I can make with that. I'm, I'm going to hold off. You're welcome. Uh, Oh, gosh, where was I? Here, let me just start in with my experience. First time I ever heard of the, like, I actually had an experience with the gift of tongues. So I was a, a senior, going into my senior year of college, um, I'd started asking this question, God, I want to know if your power is for today. I'd been taught that God wasn't doing miracles, um, but here I would read my Bible, and truthfully, I was quite bored with my Christian faith. Uh, I, would, I was heavily involved in Young Life. I was responsible for 13 volunteer leaders overseeing a high school called Bryan High School. It's in the College Station area. And uh, our goal was to go and win a hearing for uh, the gospel amongst unbelieving, unchurch-going, or non-church-going uh, um, people at this high school. Now, this school had 3,000 students in it. And so I would read the scriptures, and it was like, you know, 
Peter walks up to the temple gate, and, and there's this lame guy, and he gets healed. Not lame as in boring, but like paralyzed. Uh, it's like I feel like I have to specify this because not everybody like knows that word in the Bible. But anyway, uh, there's a paralyzed guy, and he gets healed, and it says 3,000 people come to know the Lord in one day. Now, I'm looking at my Christianity, and it doesn't look nothing like that. And I'm thinking, like, man, it would have been so much more fun to live in the biblical times. And so I started getting challenged on this idea that maybe miracles were for today. So I prayed this prayer, uh, God, I want to experience your power so I can know whether or not it's for today. Now, that prayer, my, my honest expectation wasn't really an experience with power. My honest expectation was that God was going to show me scripturally either that this, the, the gifts of miracles were for today or that they weren't, that he was still healing today or he wasn't, that tongues was for today or it wasn't. I, I wasn't actually expecting a real encounter with power himself. But my words that I prayed were, God, I want to experience your power so I can know whether or not it's for today. How many of you know that's probably a very dangerous prayer to pray? Okay. Now, I made an agreement to pray that prayer every single time I prayed, which can get really awkward when you're with your friends and you're praying over the meal. Like, God, I, you know, it's like I pray for the meal, and God, I want to experience your power, so I'm going to go over today. And then you kind of move on, right? So uh, senior year, now, <laughs> I, I meet these, this group of guys that, that would have this prayer meeting on Friday mornings called PPAC. It stood for Prayer, Praise, and Coffee. Now, I, I was... Just, just to be fair here, I was probably the most legalistic guy you could have ever met, and I got most of my significance and self-worth from my spiritual disciplines. So if I knew the scriptures better than you, if I prayed more than you, then I was more spiritual than you were. I'm not saying that's a good thing, I'm just saying that's where I was my senior year in college. So I meet these gr this group of guys, all college students, and they're getting up at 6 a.m. on Friday mornings to have a prayer meeting. Now, how many of you know that college students do not wake up at 6 a.m. on Friday morning to go to a prayer meeting? So there's something weird going on here. I'm thinking, well, I'll show these guys who's spiritual, right? So I can start going to this meeting. And what I discovered was something entirely different. Um, now, in those days, I wasn't accustomed to people raising their hands in worship. You know, in those days, I was sort of accustomed to the sit down, you know, stand up, keep your mouth shut, just sing when you're on cue, and that'd be it, Right? No sort of spontaneous, you know, worship combustion. No, uh, <laughs> definitely not speaking in tongues. Uh, none of that was part of my experience. And while I'm seeing are these college, you know, guys. Thank you, Robert. We'll catch that. Is that, that you? Not me. Oh, one of you others, huh? John, did I get you? I want to get one of you one of these days. Uh, so, so. I walk into this meeting, and I see these guys, and they, they are like, they're worshiping. And I mean, they're lifting their hands, and you see sincerity just etched on their faces. And they're not just singing these songs, you know, sort of as a rote practice. They're singing these songs uh, with complete conviction, as if there's another person on the receiving end of those songs who can really hear, hear those praises. Now, I just hadn't, I mean, I, I'd sort of seen this and experienced it on some level, but these guys were something altogether different. Um, and so I, I found myself coming into this, this prayer, pray, praise meeting, uh, and my heart began to, to change. And instead of it being about how disciplined I was, I started wanting to be more like a lover like these guys were, a lover of God instead of a doer for God. Uh, which is another message in and of itself. Like, a lover will outwork a worker any day. That's the truth. Um, I didn't know that at the time. But uh, I remember I, I got to see this girl come to Christ on a particular um, night at Young Life Club, and I was feeling really proud of myself and, um, because I gave the message that night, right? So I'm somehow responsible for what took place, or at least I'd like to take credit for it. Um, and I go into this meeting the next day, and I'm talking with one of my buddies, and I'm telling him about, uh, you know, how this girl got saved, and he's telling me about how, um, and I'm just sort of talking like, you know, why doesn't that stuff happen in the scriptures? Why don't we see, you know, 3,000 people come to know the Lord one day? And he's like, I go, have you ever experienced anything like that, like a miracle of some sort? And he looks at me, he's like, uh-huh. And I'm thinking to myself, 
What's the, it was like he was sort of cautious to acknowledge that he'd experienced something. You know those people that's like they're kind of testing you out. To, it's like, can I really trust you with this information? So I'm, I'm looking at him like, what? What was it, something crazy like tongues or something? And he goes, yeah. And I go, what? You, you spoke in tongues? And he goes, yeah. And I go, but you're not supposed to do that. And he goes, I know. And so naturally, like, I'm like, I've got every question in the book. Now, I knew this guy. I knew that he was very spiritual. I knew that he had a, a love and a heart for God. I also knew that he knew the scriptures really well and that he memorized the scriptures. I knew that he was disciplined in his prayer life, that he was a churchgoer. Like, I knew all of these things about this guy. And so something about his experience uh, or the, 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 his, his history with me and what I knew of his history with God caused me to go, maybe he's telling me the truth. And so I have a million questions for him, and he shuts it down, because the last thing he wants to do is talk about how he speaks in tongues in front of all of these other guys that are at this prayer meeting. And now, these guys were worshiping with sincerity, but I didn't know that many of them had already had these sort of charismatic, quote-unquote, experiences. So we agree to meet two weeks later. Now, meanwhile, I'm still praying the words, God, I want to experience your power so I can know whether or not it's for today. And... Uh, we sit down. So two weeks later, um, I meet at his house. It was early in the morning. And, he, and before we start getting into this conversation, which, I, I, you know, I'm sure from his perspective, he thought he was about to enter into some big debate about how what he was doing was wrong, because that's all he'd been experiencing. Anytime he told somebody he spoke in tongues, he just got a debate. And them telling him how wrong he was for doing that. And so... Um, before we even dive in, he says, hey, I just want to stop and pray and thank God. And so he acknowledged about that girl who had come to Christ in the Young Life meeting. And, and so we just got down on our knees and we, we thanked God for what he did. And, and remember how I said every time I prayed, I prayed those words? Okay, well, awkwardly, I'm praying those words. Then he comes over to me, puts his hand on my back, and then he begins to pray. As soon as his hand touches my back, I start, uh, I start crying. Now, I mean, at first, it was just a little bit of, you know, tears. But then I start really crying. And I'm not talking like, you know, you know, just have to wipe my, my eyes away. I'm talking like ugly cry. Like I'm now snot-faced and I'm wailing at the top of my lungs crying. Now, inwardly, I'm thinking to myself, you're being really weird. Seriously, I, it was all rational in here. Outwardly, I'm like this undone man. Inwardly, I'm going you should stop doing that. <laughs> You're going to wake up his roommates. I mean, very practical, you know? Like, hey, you don't want to wake up his roommates, right? And then, I, and then I start paying attention. Now, I'm, I'm wailing at the top of my lungs, like screaming out, crying kind of thing. Whole body is shaking. I'm dry heaving, so I'm probably coughing up something. Not good. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I start to, you know... You know, I get this rational thought of, like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is weird. And then I hear him praying, and I'm like, what is he saying? And, and, and it hits me. I'm like, oh, that's not English. <laughs> and I, I'm like, well, he shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> not kidding. Those are the first thoughts in my head. He shouldn't be doing that. And then I start listening in real closely because I'm like, is that even a real language? It sounds like gibberish. It sounds like you're just putting a bunch of syllables, you know, syllable sandwich together and making up some weird nonsense, right? And then I think to myself, wait a minute, why are you doubting this? Why, why are you doubting this? You've been praying to experience his power, and right now you're snot-faced and shaking and wailing at the top of your lungs, clearly not in control of your body. This has to be power. And, and, and so I'm, I'm thinking the words, don't doubt this. Then I hear him pray in English, or at least I think he's praying in English now. And he, he starts rebuking evil spirits of doubt in the room. And now I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. There's evil spirits too? And apparently I got one? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't doubt, don't doubt. You know, like seriously, don't doubt now. And, and then, you know... Things start to calm down, but I'm telling you, it was like, uh, I love it when it's cold outside. One of my favorite things to do is, that, is 
is cold day, I make that pour over for that hot cup of coffee, and I'm a big, big coffee nerd. Uh, don't ever try to buy me coffee, because it just doesn't work. Like, I, I'm that picky about coffee. I'm that snob. So I'm drinking my cup of coffee. You know, it, when it's cold, you feel that, that warmth go down your esophagus. Like, that is the greatest feeling. <laughs> I love that. I think God knew I was going to be a coffee fan because on that morning when that happened, I could feel that, that, that warmth sort of go down my esophagus, but then it, it, it just sort of extended into every extremity in my body. Like I could feel that warmth go into my fingertips. And, and I, I never felt so just like warm, like, you know what I mean? Like warm and peaceful and, and loved in that moment. And you know, he finishes praying, I, I get up, and I just, now I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't at that time one of those guys that would hug other men, but I am snot-faced and wet all over, and I'm just giving him the biggest bear hug, and I'm asking him, what did you do? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> I come to find out that when he was at a church camp, he uh, had been praying for all of these kids who didn't know Jesus, and as he was praying, he just started speaking in this different language. And, and he didn't want to tell anybody because as soon as he opened his mouth about it, people would argue with him and tell him it was wrong. And so he just sort of kept it to himself. And here I am having this experience, and, and he doesn't, he's scared of what just happened to me. And so he's like, hey, let's just keep this between us. You know, like, don't tell anybody. Uh, so for the next couple of weeks, every time... Uh, I would begin to pray or read my Bible, I'd feel that warmth come in, and, and I'd begin to tremble and shake. And, and over the next two weeks, it, I mean, it, it became less and less strong, but it still sort of happened. It always reminds me of that passage in James where he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Because this, in this season, this couple of weeks, when I would draw near to God, I would feel his presence come. Now, we're talking about something completely subjective, Right? There's like no real scientific way to evaluate what just took place. It is, it is but, but I do see experiences like this in Scripture that I think are worth noting um, some other time. Uh, <laughs> but I think I mentioned this because you've got to understand, I didn't come into this stuff with a particular viewpoint. I came in because I was, I was interested to know how I could evangelize that high school of 3,000 kids. And what I got was so much more than that. It was more than just evangelism. It was about intimacy with God. It was about learning how to pray and, and, and praying when I didn't know how to pray. And God just sort of super over, what is the word, overcoming my own inability, I guess you could say. Um, there's so much more to this. I'll, I'll, I'll dive into when, you know, at this point, I couldn't speak in tongues myself. I just had this experience. After that experience, though, I started praying for the sick because I knew that his power was for today. And now that I knew that, I was responsible for what I knew. If you know that God is healing, the next thing you know, every person with a crutch becomes a bullseye. It's like, okay, now I know I'm responsible for that. I know his powers for today. So I'm responsible to bring his power to people who need it. Um, now, fast forward a bit. Um, let's just, I'll tell you some more stories in just a second, but I want to dive into the scriptures on this. First time we see the, the, the tongues thing in scripture is at Pentecost, which we discussed this last week just barely. We talked about how, how the baptism of the Spirit was not primarily about speaking in tongues. Everybody hear me on this. The baptism of the Spirit is not about speaking in tongues. Okay, I, I went through great lengths to show you that the baptism of spirit was the thing that united all mankind. And if you get a chance, go on the Upper Room uh, Frisco webpage, and you will see the, uh, uh, the tree of 40 fruits. Jeffy, you, you posted it up there. It was that article about, about that tree where all of these other stone fruits were grafted into this one tree, and it has 40 different stone fruits on one tree. So cool. Such a great story. Such a beautiful illustration of what God has done with all races, tribes, tongues, nations, and how he's knit us together into one new man. There is no longer any Jew or Gentile. We are all now one new man in Christ. That's what the baptism of the Spirit is all about. 
And this was a reversal of what took place at the Tower of Babel. So that's sort of the recap, but now, now getting into it, um, tongues. Why tongues? What is that gift? I mean, of all the gifts, I mean, I, I can think of like different superpowers. I used to be a big comic guy. There are a lot of cool superpowers in comics that I would rather have than the gift of tongues, or at least I thought I would. Uh, so why tongues? Why did God give us this gift? What's that gift all about? Uh, we start here in Acts chapter 2. Let's just read through it real quick. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues of fire. Now, that's not actually talking about tongues. That's talking about a flame, like you would see a flame in a, in a furnace or in a fireplace. Tongues of fire, so these just little flames, it says it distributed distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. The them in this story is the disciples. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Now, that just literally means language. They were speaking with other languages, not their own language, just other languages, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now, we're about to li list off all of those known nations, right? It says, when the sound occurred, the crowd get, came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, uh, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? Well, then Peter gets up and tells them exactly what this means. And it's one of the greatest sermons in all of the scriptures. It's so cool. He takes three random passages of scripture that nobody had ever connected before and puts them all in this one great message. So you should go check out that message later. Uh, but what do we discover in this passage about the gift of tongues? Well, we know that when a person speaks in tongues, he's speaking about the mighty deeds of God. Testimonies of all the things God has done. We also know that in this particular example, these are earthly languages because people hear them speaking in, you know, to the Arabs in Arabic, speaking to the, the Greeks in Greek, uh, and I don't know the other languages, but there's a lot of different languages. Now, these are unschooled uh, Galileans that are doing this. It's not like these, I mean, they probably knew a couple of languages, but there's no way they could have known all of these languages. So these languages were given to them by the Holy Spirit specifically to give testimony to who God is. So that's kind of cool. When God gives you a, a supernatural language, there, the, the possibility is now open for you to speak about mighty deeds of God in a language you don't even know. Now, I've actually seen this happen, personally. I, on more times than I can actually count, I've had people understand me speaking uh, Portuguese fluently, a language I do not know. Now, I've been in, uh, I remember I was in Lebanon one time, and I had uh, a whole group of people. Oh, hey, I got some Lebanese. There you go. What's up? I love Lebanon. I could totally, like their food, eat that up. Some shawarma. Love that stuff. You know what I really like is kenefi, which I've never been able to find here. You're going to take me. Okay, I'm in. You got me. Kenefi is like the stuff. Anyway, uh, none of y'all are interested in that part. You should try kenefi, though. It's amazing. So anyway, I'm in Lebanon. I've got this whole family that I'm about to pray over and prophesy over. And, um, and you know, all these people are familiar with the gift of tongues and no, no controversy here. So I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them in tongues. I'm praying for them in, in English. But there was one girl who was there, and she could understand everything I was saying. And I didn't expect this. I wasn't, like, looking to get an interpretation for this. She just happened to know the language. She said I was speaking in, she was from Brazil. She said I was speaking in Portuguese, but it wasn't Brazilian Portuguese. It was Portugal Portuguese. So she could make out most of it, but not all of it. And I was talking, like, I remember I was praying over the lady who, uh, who owned the house, and she was making our meal. 
And as I was praying over her, this girl could understand me blessing our meal and talking about how this woman had the gift of hospitality. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Didn't plan this. It's just sort of one of these signs and wonders that God does to raise our faith and let us know he really is involved in even the planning of a meal. Just so cool. Um, Again, I've had that happen multiple times. So we see that it can be an earthly language. I'm not saying it's exclusively of an earthly language, but at least in Acts, we know that it's, a, it's an earthly language. Uh, my experience has shown me that it's an earthly language. Now, uh, Paul will teach something slightly different, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how literally to take this. Uh, how many of you have ever read Corinthians 13? Now, wh- where, when you, where have you heard that passage most often read? How many of you know that it's not actually about a wedding? Not saying you can't use it in your wedding, just saying it's not actually about a wedding. What is 1 Corinthians 13 actually about? It's about, well, hey, I'll give you a little hint here. 1 Corinthians 12, it's about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, it's about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What do you think 1 Corinthians 13 might be about? Gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Paul will say this. He'll say, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. I always thought it was really funny when they, at a wedding, they start talking about the tongues of angels and of men. I'm like, it just seemed like so random and out of place, right? Well, what's the point of this whole passage? Now, I, I've heard this taught that there's a, there's, some people have a gift of tongues and some people have a special heavenly language and And, I mean, from this passage, you could make the argument that there is such a thing as a heavenly language, a tongue of angels, right? Only problem with this is, and again, I'm not saying that that, that that's not possible or that that's not true, but, but I would say it's kind of hard to pull that out of this passage because Paul is using a rhetorical device called hyperbole. Did I lose you, Robert? Okay, you got me on that. I got you. All right. He's using a rhetorical... Thank you, thank you. He's using a rhetorical device called hyperbole. How many of you know what hyperbole is? What's a hyperbole? Someone just tell me. Several people telling me. Good. Uh, It's an extreme example to make a point, right? Like when when, when we use hyperbole all the time in the English language, especially when we're we're listening to music or writing songs. You know, when when someone, when when a guy and a girl, they part ways, uh, you don't hear in the song, well, we decided to, to, to go separate ways, right? That's not what they say, do they, in the songs? No, they say, she tore out my bleepity bleeping heart, right? Now, are we to take that literally? Did she literally go, finish him, you know, Mortal Kombat style? That really happened? No, that's hyperbole, right? It's an extreme, extreme statement to make a point, Right? The guy's letting you know that his heart's all torn up. He's sad. He's brokenhearted. But he didn't literally get his heart torn out of his chest by this bleepity bleeping person, right? But in the songs, that's the way they write it. Did it is bleepity bleeping bad? Like I'm using it. I'm not, some of you are getting hung up on that one. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, couldn't get my mom. Now, now Paul's doing the exact same thing here. Notice that he's using extreme examples. So he says, if I speak with the tongues of men. Or of angels. You see how that's the extreme? And and if I... uh, Go back to the verse 1 for me. It says... Go to to verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know not just a couple mysteries, I know all mysteries, and not just a couple words of knowledge, I know I have all knowledge. Are you seeing how this is an extreme form of something. This isn't your sort of -of run-of-the-mill average gift of the Holy Spirit. This is like the extreme form of a gift of the Holy Spirit. So, and here, I mean, he even talks about giving up your life, not just like suffering and and experience persecution, but having your body be burned, right? 
Without love, it profits us nothing. So are we to take this literally, that this is what people, this is the kind of gifts that people are walking in, or is it an extreme form of something to make a point about how love is a necessity or a necessary component when it comes to the gifts and their profitability? So you get my point here. So, hey, look, it could be, when you speak in tongues, it could be a heavenly language. I kind of doubt it. Uh, but it, we for sure can see that it is an earthly language, at least in Acts chapter 2, right? So that's kind of cool. Now, don't get me wrong. You may be speaking a tongue, and nobody around you knows that language. That's quite possible. Uh, but you could also be speaking a tongue, and somebody does know it, and that could be even cooler. So what else can we learn about tongues? Uh, well, I can tell you this. It certainly functions as a way to pray. Now, let's, let's think about, um, well, actually, I'll, I'll lay out some logistics for this in a second. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 2. It says, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. What, what would you call it when you're speaking to God? Okay, good. So clearly, when a person speaks in this language, this gift of the Spirit, he can use it to pray to God. It says, but no one understands. In his spirit, he speaks mysteries. So there, there is a, a precedent for when you speak in tongues that it is prayer. Not always. We also learned that it can be speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Heck, you could be doing both at the same time, praying about the mighty deeds of God. I mean, it, it sort of doors open to both possibilities. Um, it says that in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Well, why would they be mysterious? Because nobody around him understands, nor does the person who's speaking. Now, here's something just for you guys to know. When I speak in tongues, I don't know what I'm saying. I have no idea. The only reason I've learned what I've said is because somebody else either knew what I was saying in their own language or there was somebody with a gift of interpretation. Now, here's the crazy thing. Um, actually, I'll come back to that. We know that it functions as prayer, but here's the other thing. Uh, if you go down to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6, let's look at that real quick. There we go. It says, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you by either way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? You catching this? So with tongues, what are some of the other things you can do with it? You can speak either by way of revelation. That means revealing something that's hidden. Uh, knowledge, we, we've talked about words of knowledge before, prophecy, or teaching. Now, how would those things actually happen? You have to have interpretation. Now, I've heard stories of this. I've never actually seen it happen where somebody's given an entire teaching in a tongue and somebody else was able to interpret it, which I think is kind of cool. Something else we discover about tongues is when a person prays in a tongue, it says, my, their spirit prays. In their spirit, they speak mysteries. So it is a spiritual language. Now, my experience is when I speak in tongues, um, just a little deal with a quick misconception, I'm not forming the words up here in my head first. It's coming from my spirit. Now, the reason I point down here is because there's actually a biblical precedent for the spirit being here. Um, and I can, let me just throw that one out there. I have to find this one. Oh, Proverbs 20, verse 27 says that the spirit of a man is the lamp unto the Lord, searching out the innermost parts of his being. Well, that word innermost parts can also be translated bosom. Isn't that cool? So it says it's the spirit of a man is the lamp. Under, what does a lamp do? Brings things to light, right? It exposes what's in darkness. So there's a sense that, when a, that a, the spirit brings things into light for God. It communicates with God what's going on in the innermost part of a person. That's kind of cool, isn't it? So wouldn't it make sense that when we're praying in a tongue, an unknown tongue, it's a spiritual language, it's our spirit doing it, that on some level we're actually, uh, our spirit is praying things that are going on in our heart. Things that we know may be up here, but we've lost our ability to pray. 
Now, when might you need God's help to pray? Why, why a gift of tongues? How many of you can pray in English? Anybody pray in English? Yes, I, most of you can pray in your own language, right? Well, so why, why give us a gift of tongues to pray? Because there's times when we've lost words to pray. Where it's like, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over again, but I'm not done praying. And I need to pray. And here's what I know about prayer, is prayer actually changes things. Why do you think we spend so much time in the upper room praying? Because it actually brings a change on the earth. This is how we can impact the world. Our prayers actually affect change, right? I prayed for, for Sarah with the neck pain. There's, it, there's a very high probability that my prayer caused her neck to get healed. That happens. Now, if you're, if you're a Christian, you know this. You know that prayer actually brings about a real change. It's so important to God that we pray that he's done, done you a favor. Hey, guess what? You don't know how to pray? You don't know how to pray? I got that taken care of. Here's a gift of tongues. So question for you. Is praying in tongues for the really spiritually mature person or is it for the person who is weak and doesn't know how to pray? See, now, I've heard that tongues is for the really, hey, have you been, are you spirit-filled, brother? In other words, have you got it? Have you, have you entered into the elite Christian force yet? I mean, that's how we talk about that. Like, hey, we're the spirit-filled church. Those, that church over there is the spirit-less church, right? And it sort of creates this two-class of Christians, as if God ever gave us the gifts to create two classes of Christians. That's not what he was doing with the gifts, if anything, in Ephesians 4, we're told that the gifts were to bring us into the unity of faith, not the classes of the haves and the have-nots. So when we talk about other churches and say, oh, well, they're not spirit-filled, stop it. Stop doing that. First off, that's not what that word means anyway. But don't talk about other believers in that negative way. What it does is it, it immediately, in that one moment, puts us in the class of the haves and them as the less thans. And we're not going to do that. The gifts are actually meant to bring us together, not tear us apart. Okay? Tongues is not for the spiritually mature. It's for the person who doesn't know how to pray. It's God's way of helping us overcome our weakness. Because he thinks prayer is important. Because it actually brings about real change. Now, I've heard, and we, we talked about this last week. We did a, a I, I got up here and I said, is, it, is there anybody in here, you've been hurt by the gifts of the Spirit. You've been hurt by people telling you to speak in this language. And, 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 and you felt like you were less than, and I prayed and I apologized uh, on behalf of all pastors for ever sending that message. Okay, whether you pray in a tongue or whether you pray in your own native language, neither one makes you more spiritual. The fact that you pray is what makes you spiritual. Got me? Nowhere in the scriptures, here's another thing, just for the record. Uh, nowhere in the scriptures did it say if you pray in a tongue, your, your prayers are more powerful. doesn't say that. What's going to determine power in your prayer is whether or not God actually answers your prayer. And what determines what he answers, which prayers he answers? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He hears the, pr the proud from afar, but he is near to those who are humble in heart. So what determines the efficacy or power of your prayers? Humility in your heart, not whether you pray in tongues or not. I know I'm saying a lot there. I, and let me just say this real quick. You have, I'm gonna, everybody, I want you to say something right now. Just repeat after me. I have freedom, I have freedom. To, disagree. to disagree. We're not talking about the virgin birth here. We're not talking about the deity of Jesus. We're not talking about the authority of Scripture. We're just talking about tongues. This is not a core issue of our faith. Everybody clear on that? Good. All right. Uh, what else? Does everybody get the gift of tongues? Now, I, I've got a lot of friends who will say, uh, no, not everybody gets the gift of tongues, but everybody can get a prayer language. Um, I can see some precedent for that. I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, I don't mind if other people believe that at all. Um, my, my only thing is, I know people who do not speak in tongues, and... and uh, and oftentimes, because they don't speak in tongues and they're taught that everybody should be able to speak in a prayer language, uh, they feel less than and feel like they're disqualified for ministry. 
And again, tongues is not a qualifier for your gift, for any gift that you have to give to the church. Uh, Autumn Williams, who came here and spoke three weeks ago, does not have the gift of tongues. Doesn't. She can't do it. She's tried. Now, on only one occasion has it ever actually happened to her, and it's when she fell into a trance, and she had this sort of Holy Spirit moment experience. But since that time, she's never been able to speak in tongues. Now, my wife, this is a cool story. My wife's first experience with the gift of tongues was uh, her, she found out that and it was like one of these like, wait, what a minute? What, what, what happened here? Her friends, who she'd known for years and been walking with, tell her that she, they speak in tongues. And she's like, what? Well, I want to speak in tongues. And they're like, okay, well, let's pray for you. So they lay hands on her and they pray for her. And, uh, and she can't speak in tongues. But you know what she could do? Understand every word they were saying. Now tell me my wife is not, doesn't have the Holy Spirit operative in her life because she doesn't speak in tongues. Now I think the reason we, we tend to promote this, the, the tongue thing and say that, it, um, well, never mind, let me, just, let me just say this instead. I think my wife experienced what is probably the most neglected gift in the church, interpretation. And that's really unfortunate because when that gift is operative, we don't just get you know, prayers being interpreted, we get teaching, we get prophecy, we get revelation, we get knowledge. All of those other things are available to us, and it's done in a way that's sort of supernatural and fun. Um, my first experience with the, the uh, gift of interpretation, now you've got to understand, I wasn't taught this stuff. Like my, I didn't have friends who believed in any of these things. I was completely on my own when I first started having, uh, sort of researching this stuff. So if anything, my friends stopped talking to me because I was researching this stuff. So I have, have uh, left College Station, and I've moved to Dallas, and I've taken a, a position with Young Life. And I'm practicing this whole tongues thing. And, and I remember I, had, um, I just had somebody pray for me, and I started speaking in tongues. Now, it wasn't like a full-blown language. It was like one phrase and, then, and I, I really, the whole time I was sitting there thinking, like, I'm just making this up. How many of you feel that way? Come on, I know I'm not the only one. How many of you feel like when you've spoken in tongues, you feel like you're just making it up? Okay, here's the thing. Big misconception, we're going to tear down. When you speak in tongues, most often, now this does happen on occasion, but most often, God is not going to step in and start wagging your tongue around. It feels as natural to me as speaking in English. Yet I've spoken in a language I do not know and I've, been, I've spoken in fluent Portuguese. But it felt as natural to me as speaking in English. The words just weren't formed up here in my head first. So uh, I'm with a buddy of mine and uh, one of my, my old Young Life disciples and he wants to, to get more gifts. And so I pray for him. So when I prayed for him, I started speaking in tongues, and, and really it was just that one repeated phrase over and over. Um, oh, which, by the way, let me back up a second. When I started speaking that one phrase that I thought I was just making it up, the guy who prayed for me said, hey, just do this. Every, time, every day, I want you to pray in that language for 15 minutes a day. And he's like, just do it as a spiritual discipline. Just, just like you discipline yourself to pray, you discipline yourself to read your scriptures, just practice speaking in that language 15 minutes a day and just see what happens. And what I noticed was, is I would speak that language or that phrase, and then I would forget what that phrase was. And then the next day would come about, and I would try to do it again. And then the same words would come out of my mouth. And I'm like, wait, that's what I said yesterday. And then after a while, what I noticed was I started getting more words and the language began to expand. And this makes sense, right? When it comes to earthly languages or natural languages, we get by natural means. You know, you start off, like my son, he starts off with baba, dada, mama, things like that. And the next thing you know, he starts forming words and then little phrases or puts two words together and then sentences and then paragraphs. And the next thing you know, he's a, a full-grown, you know, communicative person. And I would say the same thing was true with me speaking in tongues. At first, it was just a couple of phrases and syllables. Next thing you know, it becomes sentences, and now it's like a full-blown language. Um, kind of fun. So now I'm praying for my young life kid. He wants to receive this gift. I'm going kind of long here. Are you guys okay? Have I lost you? Okay, we're going to just a little bit late today, tonight. So I pray for him, and, and nothing really happens. And he, he sort of, I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, 
oh, you know, uh, I don't know, man. The whole thing is just kind of weird. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. He's like, you know what? Here's the thing. I think I'm just doubting this whole thing. I, I want to be open-minded, so let me just pray. And, and he's just praying and saying, God, I, if this is for, you, for me, I really want this. Would you uh, let me have this? So I pray for him again. This time when I pray for him, again, never done this before. Okay, this is the first time I've prayed for somebody else to get this gift that I'd started, you know, using. So I pray for him, and he starts crying. And he's got his head sort of bowed down. And, and at one point, I'm not actually sure if he's laughing or if he's crying or both. But he's going like this up and down and sort of making this laughing, crying sound. And I'm, I'm finally stopping. I'm like, um, hey, uh, buddy, are, are you okay? And he's like, and he's got this creepy look in his face. And I'm like, oh, no, I broke him. Uh, I, I go, I go, can, can you speak English? And he goes, and I'm going, oh, no. What am I going to tell his parents? I'm serious. Like, I'm genuinely freaked out at this moment because I'm thinking to myself, like, I have messed around with something. I did not know what it was. And I'm thinking I broke this kid. And the next thing you know, I mean, there was a bunch of crazy stuff. He starts hearing God speak to him, starts giving me prophetic words. He'd have to write them down in English because he could not speak in, in English. All he could do was speak in this language. Now, this is what I was saying. This is one of those rare moments where the, God does take over the tongue and starts flapping it about. That did not happen with me, okay? But my tongue has been interpreted in Portuguese, all right? So just letting you know, pretty cool, but it didn't take over my tongue. Um, well, I mean, he pr starts prophesying things about my friends that actually came to pass, like crazy things. Um, well, he, he takes a nap, wakes up. He can speak in English again. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for not breaking this kid. Uh, we don't have to tell his parents about him. Uh, so now this is so new to me that I'm like freaking out. I'm thinking Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We need to get all of our other friends over here so we can pray over them too. And so we call up my, my buddy Adam and, and my, my young life kid decides to come back in town the next weekend. And so we're going we're gonna to pray over our other friend Adam. Well, Adam, uh, it's time for him to show up and he hasn't shown up. And so I call him, and I'm like, hey, dude, where are you? He's like, uh, uh, I'm at home. I'm like, home? You're supposed to be here at 3 o'clock. Where are you? He's like, well, yeah, about that. Um, I was talking to my mom, and she said that you're not supposed to speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter. And I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, he's kind of got me on that. You know, it does say, you know, if you speak in tongues, you should pray that you should interpret. Okay, yeah, that's true. I said, dude, what? who cares? Just come over. So I pray for you in some language you don't understand. Big deal, we move on. Or something could happen to you. And he's like, huh. I said, just trust me. Just come over. If, if, if nothing happens, I'll apologize. So he comes over reluctantly. And I go through the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and start, you know, all these different gifts listed off. And he starts going through it like, oh, gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, gift of interpretation, words of knowledge. And he's just sort of looking at it like a shopping list going, well, I could use a little bit of that and maybe an ingredient of that and got a full cake here. Um, so then I pray for him, and, and, and I've got my old young life kid with me. We're both praying for him. We're both speaking in this language that God had given us. And then uh, I look down at my friend Adam, and I notice that there are tears starting to come down his cheeks. And, and I'm looking at him like, now I, I knew that Adam, I mean, when it came to his walk with the Lord, it was not always consistent. Um, he, I, I knew that he'd also recently gotten into some sin, and, and it just been really up and down in his life. And so I'm thinking to myself, here he is. He's hearing us speak in this language. He's probably convicted for convicted by God about his sin, and no, no. So I, I say, Adam, are you okay? And he says, uh, Yeah. I go, Well, you, you're crying, and he says, Yeah. Uh, and he looks at me and goes, do you, do you not understand what you're saying? I said, no. And he looks over to my young life and he goes, you don't understand either. And he goes, no. And, and then Adam goes, oh, no, and just starts crying. And he, I mean, just bawling. 
And I said, Adam, do you understand what we're saying? He says, yeah, I understand. You guys don't understand any of that? I said, no, dude, what were we saying? And he, he says, I mean, apparently, when I was speaking to him, I was saying things that were so personal and so intimate that, that only, like, you know, men who fight in wars together would say to one another in, like, a foxhole, like, that kind of level of, of vulnerability, which is why he was crying. And he said, when, when my young life kid was speaking, he was hearing him talk about the crucifixion and the blood of Jesus and everything that God paid for. He wasn't crying over his sin. He was crying over how good God was. Which at the end of the day, let's face it, greatest way that God convicts us of sin is through his kindness and love towards us. It's not a guilt trip. It really isn't. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Ever since that time, Adam could understand anybody who spoke in tongues. Um, I say all of this because, I mean, how many of you would agree that after that, like, I'm in? When it comes to tongues, interpretation, like, I'm like, yes, Lord, give me more of that. I'll take that. Uh, I know there's probably some other questions I didn't answer. Let me see if I can get through this all. Here, here's the big thing. Um, so a big question I need to answer, should you speak in tongues without an interpreter? Okay, that... In, in context of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, So then when you assemble together, one has a psalm, one has a teaching, one has a tongue, one has an interpretation. In other words, when we have a gathering like this, everybody brings a gift. Now, one of the mistakes I don't want to make in this community that I've seen in many other churches is some random person getting up and shouting out in tongues and some other random person getting up and shouting out an interpretation in the King James English as though God speaks in King James only. Okay. We would never show up to church and say, all right, who would like to give the sermon today? We don't do that because we have a certain standard for what preaching should look like. In the same way, I have a certain standard for the way tongues and interpretation should operate within the church. Now, when Paul is talking about how you shouldn't be speaking in a tongue without an interpreter, he's talking about a believer's meeting where you have people who show up to the meeting that are either uninformed about gifts, in other words, they just haven't been exposed to this stuff, they've never been taught about this stuff, or people who are unbelievers. Because for them, it's going to sound like you crazy. Understandably so. How many of us have had friends come with us and they've shown up to church where everybody's speaking in tongues and they're a little freaked out? So Paul's saying, look, look, in your head, don't be a child, right? Be mature in your thinking. Okay, consider the other people who are in your environment and, and, and make sure you're meeting them where they're at, which makes sense. Paul was always all about, I've become all things to all people that I might by all means win some. It was more important to him that he won people over than that he got to be completely his, you know, undone self. That makes sense? So I, I would encourage that if you're going to speak in tongues in a public environment, that yes, you have interpretation. If you're in a private prayer meeting with some of your friends and you know them and you know what they know about the gifts or whether they speak in tongues or don't, I'm sure that that's probably okay to Paul. He's not talking about a private prayer meeting. He's talking about a big public platform. Be considerate, right? Be mature in your thinking. Meet people where they're at. 